Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. My name is David Almeida. I'm your host for this journey down TV memory lane. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend. We watch an episode of the classic sitcom The Facts of Life. Then I hit record. We talk about it. Anything else related that we can think of, total stream of consciousness if needed, and hopefully it's fun, hopefully you enjoy it, and hopefully you know I do all of it just for you. My guest this week is Mark Baratelli, another returning guest who suffered through season one. Uh, The episode he watched with me, you'll recall, is season one, episode five, called Overachieving. That's the one where Tootie's dad decided he wanted to pull her out of Eastland. Um, I was very happy. I got Mark back to show him a good episode. I think I did deliver with that. So before we start, I do have a couple of corrections. This stuff drives me crazy when it's simple, little, careless errors, but... We will survive this. I I know I can get through this. The last two weeks, I gave the wrong original air dates. I reported them off by a week. Somehow I messed up cutting and pasting in my notes for these intro and outro bumpers here. So uh, in season two, episode 12, Bought and Sold, that I originally said was broadcast on February 25th when it was actually March the 4th of 1981 and then i said that season two episode 13 pretty babies was march the 4th when it was actually march the 11th that brings us to this week which is mark and i watched season two episode 14 entitled free spirit and the original air date was march 18th 1981 i'm not going to go back and change the other recordings i'm not going to let it drive me crazy I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I've already done that on a couple of occasions, and I really don't want to make a habit of it. So we are going to live with this. We are not going to dwell on the past. We are only going to live in the present and look to the future. So with that in mind, let's jump on in. This is me with Mark Baratelli. Mark Baratelli, welcome back to my home. (laughs) Ah! Thank you for having me. Um, You've cleaned. I oh, oh, compared to last time. No, are you noticing no, no, it no, is cleaner? But, but you can't because the last time I was here was six months ago, and it's yeah. just as clean today as it was then. So I know that you've cleaned because you can't, unless oh. you're like so clean that you don't have to clean your house. Well, I'm oh. not revealing my secrets. No, no good single housewife would do that. Um, Mark <laughs> How and I be a single house. Oh, that was the joke. I missed the joke. Okay. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, comedic genius Mark Baratelli and I have just watched Free Spirit, season two, episode 15. And um, I took a lot of notes. I had a lot of little bits and pieces I wanted to write down. um, And I'll probably use little to none of them. And I want... I, as your guest, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've revealed this, but I want everyone to know that you use a yellow paper and you use red ink. Well, that was just the only ink I could get my hands on. It's not oh. ideal. Oh. See, there's there's black I, ink in here. I, thought, <laughs> I keep all my notes thought, in a oh, book I, instead of just writing on scratch paper. Oh, I keep my notes in a book, and that book was suggested by you. Oh, oh dear. It's me. a fun it's a fun Dia de los Muertos cover. Maybe I'll post a picture on the website. We'll see. Yeah, well because uh, I had forgotten cuz you were you were taking great notes on notepads. Yeah. And it just seemed and it was taking so many notes. And it then I was throwing them away. What a good thing to like have like you could put it on your bookshelf and you can always pull it out and thumb uh, maybe. through it. I'm not sure any of this is going to make I'm not sure this is going to make sense now when I read it 5 minutes after I wrote it, but <laughs> <laughs> But we will we will see. <laughs> Did you so, hear my laugh? It was so fake. <laughs> oh, oh, are, you, uh, oh. are you having a good time, Mark? Yes, I've had. I'm one and a half glasses in uh, of, of the nine dollar and ninety eight cent Chardonnay from ABC Liquor. A liquor. Okay. Well, and good. because um, we're recording this in the in the middle of the day, and I work for myself, this is the luxury of working for yourself. Mm-hmm. Do not judge. And. And that I think you're a habitual day drinker anyway. Come on, let's <laughs> Who, be real. Who's counting? Real. <laughs> who's counting? Where am I? Oh, my, my. 
So just before we jump into the plot of the show, we've already talked about you and your life and your relationship mm, to the show. We know you news. watch the show uh, a lot. Um, just give me a quick initial thought about differences between this and the one you had to suffer through before. The big difference would be the cast because the episode that you had me watch, the dieting episode, had 45 people <laughs> in the room all at once in every scene, including Molly Ringwald. And this episode that we watched today is the the legit cast, the, the real cast, the authentic cast. Yeah, forget the OG cast. This is the the real one. No, they're, they're, they're not the OG cast. They're the OG, they should never have hired them in the first place <laughs> cast. Too many girls in one room. Um, agreed. But I, I have discussed, there are some episodes in season two where we've got the Fab Four that mm-hmm. you saw today, and then the others have been in as bit parts, just like flying through with a couple of lines. And you're like... They they make it Why work. Why are you? How did you not? How did you fuck it up in season one so badly? Yeah. And now in season two, it is being shown. Could have done it better. Wait, could have done it better? Like the actors could have done better, or the, the writers? The writers in oh. season one could have yeah. better drawn the characters and better utilized them as needed for the plot. Versus, okay, we got seven girls. All of them need three lines. Each of them need two jokes. And it's and and let's have a teacher and a headmaster in addition to Mrs. Gary. It was just. A I mess. wonder if they cast it like college. You know how in college they take everybody because they know that seventy five percent of them are going to drop out. <laughs> so like you know what I mean? Like they, they the, the casting people and the writers couldn't decide, so they're just like, well, let's just let everyone in, and you know it's going to matriculate naturally who who sucks <laughs> and who is Natalie and Tootie and the other two. Well, white well, women. watch the cream rise to the top, and yeah. Then I mean, and we did. We legitimately did. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's how, for for how quickly the show was thrown together, I would not doubt that. I think with the power of your podcast, you could find the original writers online somewhere and ask them. Um, I I could. I have seen some fantastic interviews from some some people on YouTube and podcasters that they get directly to the source. Oh, yeah. I bet you totally could. I like, probably could. If you put your mind. Yeah. Except that. If you had a dream. If, if I did. If I, if I desired to exert any more effort into this endeavor. Which, which you've. Yeah. This, you told me that this is going to be four years of your life. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And you believe I it? I can't That's... even think four years. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's just such a commitment. Well, and uh, and the other thing is that there is the problem with that. I have theorized many times that the writers of this show are middle-aged men who were in their 50s 40 years ago. So I would venture to say oh, a lot dead. of the writers are dead. But um, Blair's not dead. Blair's, and I bet the you writer, know, not the actors, the writers. Right. Well, if if the writers are dead, then but Blair's not dead, so maybe Blair knows some stuff. I mean, yeah. maybe she talked to the writers. I I haven't had the guts yet to. Ta- I follow them and the girls on um on Instagram and mm-hmm. on Twitter. They follow each other and comment on each other's posts. Oh, they're still like super they're cool good friends. People. I, they're good people. I could tag them. I could make them no. aware of my show, and I'm so no. like, oh my god. I'm not a social media expert, but I would say go to the source. Try to email, find their agent, and ask them see if they'll answer questions. Maybe not on a recording, but maybe on an email. Yeah. Maybe their agent I, will. Right, and I don't mean to do an interview. I just mean I don't even have the the cojones to make them aware of this show. I'm still so like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like. I feel I don't know. It's it, scary. It'll happen. Huh? That I, I understand your fear. That's it would really be very put, scary. You talk about putting it out there, taking something, being being a quote unquote an artist, and this is my work of art, and putting it out there and stuff. I I, I don't know what result I would be wanting. I don't know what my goal yeah, would be other I, than that. I think they, that's they what know I, about it. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. Like I wouldn't tag them until you have a purpose. Like yeah. You wanna. You want them to be a sponsor, or you want them to appear, or you want them to... Because, I mean, eventually this podcast is going to get so big that we're going to have to call their agents and do a meet and greet (laughs) with a live recording. We're going to need... Sponsored by the Daily City. (laughs) The Um, Daily City? Hello. Well, what does the Daily City produce these days, Mark Baratelli? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) A little thing called Orlando Flea? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Orlando Flea. And our new thing is uh, farm, uh, Indoor Farmer's Market. 
Oh. It's and like Orlando Flea, but for food. Nice. And are you still doing a dessert fest? Was that still something? Eventually, yeah. Eventually? Yeah. But wow. the summer was coming, and I really wanted to do an indoor farmer's market for the summer. It had to happen during the summer because that's the most valuable time. That's yeah. when people want to shop for vegetables, shop for all the you know, 100% local, but also do it in air conditioning in a yeah. bar. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I so totally I, ha- I had to put the dessert fest on hold and do this. No, bravo. I, I support that 100%. But I, and I will support your uh, live uh, meet and greet of the cast of Facts of Life. Oh. So let me know. Okay, that, that'll, that'll happen. If we could have an indoor farmer's market where there is a table with me <laughs> and Blair and Tootie. Yeah. Uh, sitting at the table, greeting people who are just who are buying a mix of things. No, I, parsnips. I, I, I see it as a, no on its own. I mean, I do events. Remember, I did the Orlando I Improv I'm, Festival. I'm fucking with you, honey. I'm totally oh, fucking okay. with you. <laughs> Have some more wine. Um, <laughs> yes, it's two o'clock it's, somewhere. <laughs> it's two o'clock somewhere. <laughs> oh, so let's jump in. Let's get into the show right here, right now. Oh. So the episode starts with the parlor where. They have got the coffee table inverted, and Joe is trying to repair the leg of the coffee table, what seems to be to no avail. So um, I'm going to stop you right there. Did you use the word parlor? Parlor is the term we have been using on the podcast. I don't know what it's really called. Okay, so it has a um, snack machine. Mm -hmm. It has several snack machines. Uh, Yes, discuss the snack machines, Mark. Uh, one I thought was a milk machine, but then I learned later it wasn't because I looked, but I can't remember what it was. It's coffee. Okay, I'm going to push back on that because I saw, and that's in my notes, Uh huh. that there's these two coffee terrines in the kitchen. Have girl. you already talked about those? You're talking girl. about those? Girl. We yes, have, girl. Uh, you, I could submit the previous episodes of this podcast oh, as a gosh. doctoral dissertation on what is up with the fucking coffee because of that. There are those urns. Jeff Jones noticed that. Mm. The coffee machine, I think Matthew Arter and I first noticed it. And then there will be episodes where a guest comes in and Mrs. Garrett's like, I'll get you a cup of coffee and goes into the kitchen. And we're like... From the parlor. From from the from the dining room the where dining the urns room. are. She walks right past the urns? Past the urns into the kitchen to make a cup of coffee. And it's like... What, how much coffee do you need for a girl? These a are girls teenagers. Academy. They're teenagers. These are not. Yeah, these yeah. are. This, this is, is not college. This is a set designer who was let loose, who had no controls, no restraint. Just do. Hey, do a kitchen. Do it. You know. And do they, a, And I, the I, director I, is probably high on cocaine because this is the eighties. <laughs> probably went to Studio Fifty Four after he filmed his episodes. <laughs> and in the set designer, we've also talked about had. Uh, sombreros at her disposal i'm saying her assuming it's a woman i have no idea but whoever designed decorated the sets had sombreros were they in this in the dorm in this episode in season no we we never saw the girl's bedroom in this episode but yeah every time it appears i have to do a sombrero check oh okay Mm, anyhow okay um speaking of spanish speaking of spanish that's right nice segue Natalie comes into the parlor, and we learn that she has a big Spanish test coming up, and that Tootie has been helping her study, and she is really struggling. Spanish is apparently a subject giving her difficulty, and it's been bringing her grades down, so this exam coming up is very, very important. Now, I don't know if you went to high school, but when I went I, to high I, school... I, I did, Mark. I, I even graduated. Okay. I will go on so record. So you will remember, because you're smart, <laughs> that the smart kids didn't take Spanish. The smart kids were taking Russian and French, and those of me, the me's of the school, were taking Spanish. Not because we were stupid, but because it was easier. Everyone said it was easier. So the fact that Mindy Cohen is saying that Spanish is their hardest subject tells me that I don't know if she belongs at this academy or maybe this is an academy for people who aren't doing so well. Um, Wow. I don't know if we offered other languages in my school, but we had French or Spanish. That was it. French or where did you grow grow up in? Massachusetts. That's rich white people. There there, there should have been more languages. Um, I don't understand. I don't know. (laughs) Let me take another sip of my Chardonnay, which is French. (laughs) What is Chardonnay French for? Uh, drunk at 2 p.m. Okay, gotcha. Um, so while the girls are in this, um, give me one second, Spanish graffiti. Okay, song. while you're doing that, Jeff Jones, how are you? I hope you're good. 
I don't know what you're doing. Uh, well, but I, I've I, never asked myself that question until now. So Okay. I'm, well, I can tell you what Jeff Jones is not doing. This l- podcast. Listening to this show. Oh. He, he appeared on one episode. I don't know and if never he's a listener. Again. I, I, no. I mean, oh. he's welcome back. Absolutely. Um, I think he's going to be our cousin Jerry uh, person. He's always the person we have. Oh, on. I thought you meant like you're doing a live version of it and he's playing cousin Jerry. No. And I, my jaw dropped. <laughs> Much like Jerry's jaw is dropped permanently. <laughs> I just spat on you. You made me laugh. So while Natalie is talking about the difficulty the Spanish is giving her, she says, if I don't get at least a B on this exam, my mother's going to sick a hitman on me. My father. And this is one... uh, I like that joke. I do too. This is one illusion of many that Natalie's mother is a very important and influential force in her life. Sort of the thinly veiled Jewish mother thing because Natalie is the Jewish character so she frequently does talk about oh my mom's gonna my mom's gonna kill me or oh if if my mom saw other people do this so this is oh. just one more just uh, making note that this is another Natalie Jewish mother I don't see color so I never saw Natalie <laughs> as a Jewish woman but maybe that's just me I was raised proper <laughs> so then an attractive young man shows up with a guitar case and he's like, hello. And the girls say, hi. And he says, you must be Blair. And she says, yeah. And he's like, you must be. And as the girls are interacting, he quickly says, oh, you're Blair, you're Joe. Therefore, you're Natalie, you're Tootie. And at one point, here's some references from the time. Uh, he, so I think Tootie says, I think Natalie says, who are you, the great Karnak? Do you know yeah, what that is? Which is a reference to Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson's character, who was a fortune teller, joke soothsayer. And then he says to Tootie, oh, of course, I've heard all about you. You're the Rona Barrett of Eastland. Yes. Now, I actually, on my sheet of yeah. notes, I have is, that. Is that, is, that a, what, is that a piece of paper you have there, Mark? That's one sheet. Okay. One dollar. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't quite hear that. Okay. Um, uh, she is, Rona Barrett is very important, very important in uh, celebrity gossip. Mm-hmm. She, if you read, I haven't read her book, but she did write a book, but I've watched interviews with her. She invented many of the things that we now take for granted. The thing, like, f- for example, one of the things she pi- pioneered in the in the realm of gossip is how much a movie made. That was never discussed before. Oh, really? Yeah, and she would report those results. And now the, it's the, like... The grosses, wow. Yeah. Who She's knew? a very, very pivotal, important person in media that I think we don't talk about. I think we always, when we're talking about women in media, we always talk about Barbara Walters. But Rona yeah. Barrett was very, very important for a for a period of time. Yeah, I think what might be kind of tarnishing that a little bit is the fact that Rona Barrett was still, at her core, a gossip columnist. So it was mm-hmm. all about, um, about the juicy story, whereas Barbara Walters was always kind of going for the truth versus the salacious even though she interviewed celebrities and stuff i think rona barrett will still always go down in history as being a gossip columnist not a journalistic pioneer what are we talking about facts of life i got one sheet okay back to this yeah um so we are quickly made aware that this young man is alex mrs garrett's son tootie knows that because she's like there's a picture of him on her nightstand that's alex so she says, I'll go get Mrs. Garrett. And then when she leaves, there's talk of, oh, you're, that's right. You're the musician who's always on the road with all those famous musicians. And a lot of musician names get thrown around, like James Taylor and Billy Joel, and that he's apparently worked with all of these people. So Mrs. Garrett sees him. He had not told her he was coming. She shows up and is all, oh, Alex. Actually, Mark, you do a very competent Charlotte Ray impression. Would you please, <clears throat> no, would you please I don't give believe, us her response? I don't believe, I, I, I'm going to push back on that. I don't believe that you think I do a competent. I feel like you probably ask everyone to do their Edna Garrett. That's what you do. Y- yes. Is that what you do? If, yes. If you listen to the you show, do? you would know. Oh, oh, Jeff Jones, where are you? <laughs> oh, and uh, that's exactly what she said to her son. She said, Jeff Jones, where are you? So then in the course of Mrs. Garrett reiterating, well, you're always on the road and you're with all these famous musicians. 
And he says, well, it turns out my ride to New York ended up going to L.A., so here I am, blah, blah, blah. The reverse. They ride to L.A. ended up going to New York. Going to New York, which is why he's in New York now. I guess mm. that should make sense to me. And then he mentions Neil Diamond. And Blair says, you know Neil Diamond? Mm. And he kind of somewhat obliquely says, well, pff, who doesn't know Neil Diamond? And Blair goes, my mother knows Neil Diamond. Yeah. In fact, she was yeah. at his birthday bash last year. And he says, oh, yeah, the birthday bash. Oh, the food was great. And yeah, Neil jammed with the band. It was quite a great time. Uh, Tootie asks about Michael Jackson. I will note that all of the girls are wearing too damn much makeup in this episode. So is the gay male playing Alex. They, whoever did the makeup for season two, shame. Is it was as probably as high on cocaine as the set <laughs> d- decorator. And, and yeah. And they put a sombrero on them, and that made shadows. And then they thought they needed more makeup. (laughs) But Mrs. Garrett says, well, I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to keep him to myself. And uh, as she runs off to go spend some quality time with him, Tootie says, oh, he is full of such amazing stories. And Blair says, that's not all he's full of. Yes, I want to say that it wasn't the that's all he's full of where I knew that Blair was going to shit on his story. <laughs> it was when he said, my mother knows Reba McIntyre or whoever you were talking about. Neil Diamond, <clears throat> same person. Before my time. Um, I knew, I was like, oh, she's going in for the kill. She is going to dump all over this man, this poor gay man's story. Go it's, on. Um, I, I'm not sure he's a gay man. We don't really know. Anyway. Well, he's, um, he, I, I mean, he has beautiful blue eyes and he moves like a dancer. He's any, he, and he can noodle on the guitar. We also hear he that. He can so noodle on the guitar. He's very artistic. Totally queer. Um, so the end of the scene is Blair saying he's a total phony. Because uh, my mother went to that birthday party, and the birthday party didn't happen. There was a big storm, and the tent collapsed, and they ended up canceling it, and it didn't happen. Uh, I love what, um, uh, who's the short squat woman with red hair? What's her name? Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett (laughs) comments on Carly Simon's good, strong teeth. Have we gotten there yet? Uh, We're about to. I'm sorry. We are in Mrs. Garrett's bedroom. Carly Simon's good, strong teeth. Yeah, she's talking to Alex, and she does pull up, pull out a Carly Simon album. She mentions good, strong teeth. Yeah, interesting. Uh, That it's like, oh, oh, really? You're... You're, you're dishing the shade about Carly Simon. Dishing having... the shade. Completely calling it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, because at first she said, oh, that's a good, healthy woman. Something like that. Like a good, healthy, strong woman. And you you see, you get to see the album, uh, which I have never seen because it's before my time. And she, you can tell that's a thin woman. But then she goes, good, strong teeth. teeth. Yeah. Because Carly Simon was known for having a, a, a set of clackers. I think her... Th- I think her song, You're So Vain, is just a bitter, ugly woman bitching about the fact that a hot guy doesn't want to get with her big ass, ugly teeth. That's what the song is about. It's not really about the guy. It's about how insecure that disgusting beaver woman is. Go on. Lady, this has been Opinions with Mark Baratelli. Well, Mark is going to refill his wine glass. I'll keep on synopsizing here. So the reason why this Carly Simon album is out is because, okay, quiet on the set, please. Sorry. Quiet on the set. Thank you. Three, two. No, I'm not cutting that out. Oh. I'm letting letting the world see how you are. (laughs) But apparently, Mrs. Garrett is under the impression that Alex played on this album, and yet somehow they didn't credit him. I don't see your name. (laughs) It's, It's like she's here. And, um... Then in the course of it, uh, the name Elton John comes up. Yeah. And then the, the real meat of the, of the matter comes up. Before we get to the matter meat, did you notice mm-hmm. there were three umbrellas on the back of the door in the room? I, I did First not. of all, whose room are we in? Mrs. Garrett's. I don't think so. I, <laughs> I, think, I think so. Do you think so? I know Is, so. Was there a picture of Alex on the bedside table? I, I do not know. If I, there's not, it's not her room. There's no way. That room was so tiny. So tiny. It felt like um, 
not Rudy, not who was the one of the daughters' rooms on the Cosby Show. It was that I don't, tiny. That's that's before my time, Mark. I'm sorry. There were three yeah. umbrellas on the back of the three umbrellas. Mrs. But Garrett still, needs three umbrellas. We're almost upstate New York. It's very rainy there. It's like Seattle. Listen, what that? Why? Who, what human being needs three umbrellas? Either she is a pack rat, like she accumulated three by mistake and just like, oh, well, I'm not going to throw away an umbrella, which you should. You only need one umbrella. Why is there three? Something's wrong with Mrs. Garrett besides her gay loser son. Go ahead. <laughs> and um, I, by the way, I think I have three, if not four umbrellas in my car. Oh, geez. Moving on. Oh, I have been diagnosed, three, ladies and gentlemen. Two. Uh, moving on. Um, so the meat of the matter I was talking about before is Mrs. Garrett pulls out her checkbook and says, oh, let me write your check for you for yeah. this month. And no turns, shame. Uh, she's she's going to shade Carly Simon and her teeth, but she's going to write a check to her deadbeat gay son. Yeah. And so she writes it. What and a she twat. Does, oh, stop. So, and she does that thing where we saw her do this in the, um, the IQ episode where she was writing the test and she is a lefty. So I assume Charlotte Ray is a lefty. She's got the pen on the paper and it's squiggling. Yeah. But she's looking up at him. Her face is not looking at what she's writing. Uh, and she's somehow m- magically able to write while not looking at her paper. That's what you get when you hire stage actors to do television. We've, we've There's talked no about realism. that. There's no realism. Yeah, exactly. See also Bonnie Franklin on One <clears throat> Day at a Time. Dead. <laughs> so then Natalie comes in. And Natalie is Ugh. kind of in, in, interrupting a little bit. But what is going on is that... Because he is a musician and therefore a songwriter, Natalie says because she is a poet. Natalie was more of a journalist writer, but suddenly in this episode we've made her into a poet. Her big thing is that she really wants to write a song now. Yeah, now at this point I thought, oh, she wants to see if what Blair is saying is true. So she's going to come in here, sit her ass down, and observe and try to get information to confirm what Blair said. But it was absolutely, I was wrong. Yeah, I didn't, okay. I wasn't sure, I suspected you, as you did, I suspected the same thing, but it did not play out. Because she wasn't the, literally Blair is alone in her suspicion. The rest of them are starstruck. But Tootie and Natalie are kind of starstruck. Joe is just ambivalent about it. Joe is stay out of it or your head gets shoved to the left. Hey, where I come from, you stick your nose where it doesn't belong. You have to breathe out of your ears. Yeah, that's that's what she says. Uncanny. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm I'm a voice person. Um, so then we go mm-hmm. into the next scene. Yes, and oh, but not before it is reiterated how important that fucking Spanish test is. And I, I, speaking of how important the Spanish test is, did you notice there are no Spanish people in this episode? There are never any Spanish people in any episode. Okay, Aura S. Exactly. Uh, it was the eighties. Uh, it was, it was the eighties when we're talking about a subject called Spanish, which is foreign. And when any of the characters would say a word in Spanish, it got a laugh. That tells you how oh. white oh, yeah. TV was. Oh to- back totally, totally. Yeah. This was this was TV made by white people for, for white, white people. people. And if you said a Spanish word, it got a laugh. Yeah. And if you have anything to say about it, Tootie. Got a black girl in the show. That's our free pass. That's our get out of racism card. That is, speaking of uh, racism, Tootie's bangs. Tootie's bangs, um, if, you're, if, you, if you're unfamiliar, it's, it's a hair that comes to the, yeah, from the I, front I, of the head. I, I do know what bangs down are. Down to the thank eyebrows. You, thank you for educating my listeners. Tootie's bangs come from the top of her head. <laughs> top of her head. They come yeah. from the top As of her head. talking like do. if she is. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Oh, oh, bangs okay. come from your, like, the just four- above okay. your forehead. Okay, you are talking about bangs that begin just behind the hairline. Tooties do start at the crown of her head. Yes, Tooties you are right. bangs. Yeah, her bangs start. So it's yeah. covering the it, it, uh, 50% of your head. That's yeah. her hair. Yep. Uh, Important agreed. to note. Yeah. And you did not like her hair last season. You commented. You're like, they couldn't have gotten her a weave or couldn't gotten her a wig or something. I was in a different place in my life in October of 2018. (laughs) So anything I said back then, take it with a grain of salt. Oh, sweet mother of pearl. And the last thing Natalie says about the Spanish exam is, I could really learn to hate Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. Do do you know who that is? Yeah. Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island. That is a... 
uh, reference, a, a timely reference. Surprising, because that is an ABC show, and this is an NBC show. They typically don't do that. They typically will say Sheriff Lobo or something else. Next scene, we are in the cafeteria, and Natalie has uh, Natalie is performing, I guess, a poem, and uh, Alex is behind her noodling on the guitar, and the audience is the other Mrs. Garrett and the other three girls. It's it's the entire student population well, it, of this school. We have is speculated in the, assembled into the kitchen. We have speculated, but um, so Natalie is reciting a poem. It's it's okay. It's fine. And then he is really playing this actor. They cast him. They said we need you to really play the guitar, and yeah. he did. So bully bully for that. That must have been hard in the eighties to find a hot male actor probably who needed to be short because the entire cast is short who could also play the guitar that's probably very hard uh you know we we like to know that the casting people really went the extra mile if the set people are high on cocaine <laughs> and the other person i said was high on cocaine i don't i mean there's a was not a lot of effort in putting this show together oh, wow it was well executed yes all things considered um so after they finish Somebody says, oh, Natalie, you have such an ear for lyrics. I don't know who says it. An ear, I don't either, because an, the way you said it. I, I, I was doing, just that did. was a general impression of nobody. Yeah. Oh. An ear for lyrics. And I'm like, those weren't lyrics. This is more like beat poetry slam night yeah. at a coffee house in San Francisco in 1964. But um, yeah. anyway, it wasn't lyrics because she wasn't singing. Yeah, which she probably could sing. She's a brave. She's a. She didn't have any acting training before this show, right? She's a brave person. If oh, they Natalie. Had said, yeah, yeah. If they had said, "Mindy Cohn, get over here. We're gonna learn this song," she would have done it. Oh yeah, because she has no fear. And she sings. And she sings a little later too, not formally, but we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. She's no Carly Simon. <laughs> she doesn't have the teeth. That's the magic. You don't have the teeth of Carly Simon's she voice. She doesn't have the teeth. Um, so it's like, okay, girls, we need to go to bed. Something I have to point out where Mrs. Garrett says, all right, girls, it's almost lights out. Alex, come with me. I'll show you where you're bunking. Hmm. This is the greatest mystery of the facts of life is where do people stay when they stay over? Where does cousin Jerry stay? Where do they sleep? Yeah. We are already in a situation where these girls have been shoehorned into the cafeteria. They're sleeping in what used to be a storeroom. Mrs. Garrett, her room is part of her employment package. They don't have a damn guest bedroom. Well, I do know that the building that they, I'm sorry to cut you off, the building that they shared was shared uh, is the same. Part of it is the school and part of it was the um, hotel for Newhart. Oh. <laughs> so I think what they're ah. They're just sending them over to New Hearts Hotel. Okay. That's, that's not said until later in, okay. the, in the... You'll Through, you'll you'll discover this in later we episodes. We will. Okay. Through the time-space portal. By the time they moved to New York City, they reference back to, to it. To Maine, because is uh -huh. it New Heart in Maine? Yeah. Okay. And just this, And this just show checking. happens in Maine. Peak skill, Maine? Uh-huh. Okay. Moving on. Uh, so at one point, there's a comment to something about age or whatever, and... Somebody says to Tootie, I think Blair says to Tootie, you're 12, Alex is 28. And it's like, Tootie is not 12. Tootie was 12 last year. They explicitly stated last season that Tootie is 12, and we are a year and a half later now. So Tootie is 13, and this is the second episode where they've gotten her age wrong, and as you can tell, it pisses me off. The writers... High on cocaine, just got back yep. from Studio 54. It's... And like you said before the show, you said they're probably in their 40s. And if you're in your 40s doing anything, you're doing it a half-assed job. Oh. <laughs> so they're probably not even, they don't even know, oh, oh, she's 12, 13, I don't care, get back in your dressing room. Because yeah. you're not going to get residuals. They haven't been invented yet. Yeah. So... Now let us do our cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, our episode ends with um, Blair continuing- or the segment. I'm sorry. Right. So this act of this act of the yes, show ends with two. Blair's continuing skepticism. Natalie does let it drop that Mrs. Garrett supports him financially. Somehow that comes about. Don't really care how. And Blair is like, oh, that is not cool. If she <laughs> Blair Warner, how dare a parent give their child money? It's like, um, 
Blair, you're kind of a... Yeah. Yeah, anyway. But the fact is well, that Blair's... the person that would be able to identify it. Uh, true. And... Because all the other ones are a bunch of poor idiots. Yeah. And she actually... Go ahead. And Blair says, I can spot a phony anywhere. And Joe oh, says, that's oh, right. wait for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. Go, wait. Go, wait. Go. Yeah, you sure can because you look in the mirror every day. <gasps> what? No, she didn't. No, she didn't. I have a few comments about this scene. Yes. So uh, it ends with oh. Joe saying to Blair, do not butt in. And Blair says, no, I need to tell Mrs. Garrett that her son is a phony. Now that Blair knows it's about money with Blair, now that she knows that he is financially taking advantage of his mother, it's... um. It's on because she cares about Mrs. Garrett. Yeah. This is not about I, I Blair don't, I don't being disagree. a bitch. It's about, I like this woman who takes care of us. This person's taking advantage. I want to do what's right. Yeah. And if there's one thing Blair is known for throughout this, ep- this, this series is doing the right thing. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, and one thing I forgot to say is when Mrs. Garrett gave him the check, he was like, thank you, mom. Thank you for supporting me. And, and Alex says, um, and she says, oh, of course. And he says, yeah, remember, someday I'll return the favor. I'll support you and I'll buy you a big mansion and oh. I'm going to build you Edna Land, your own world. Like, theme Ed, park. like Graceland. Like Graceland. Like Edna Elvis. Land. He said, Elvis Presley built Graceland for his mother. I'm going to build you Edna, Edna Land. Land. Okay. Thank you. I, I missed that. Thank you for the nerve. Well, it's of this piece of whatever. shit. I know. I want to talk about the, I want to talk about the wainscoting or wainscoting in the room in who, Mrs. Garrett's room. Who will, no, this is um, we're in the kitchen listening to the poetry reading. Cafeteria. Jam. Cafeteria. Please be very specific with your locations, Mark. Thank uh, you. Not the lobby or whatever. Would you call not the it parlor. the parlor? Parlor. Yeah. Who allowed them to paint the wainscoting? So. If this building is to be believed, if the interior is to be the uh, what's actually inside the building that's shown on the title credits, who would allow the, that beautiful wainscoting to be painted? I give you this. I don't think it's real wood. I think it's a TV set. <laughs> but I do think that in the reality of the TV show, the wainscoting is probably real. And in the 80s and the 60s, they didn't treat architecture with much respect. No. So it's very, you no. could be in the most beautiful palace, uh, American palace, and it could be all of the beautiful wood, you know, that, that's oak and cherry and whatever mm-hmm. could be painted a beautiful, you know, yellow, yeah. you know, and they don't care. Yeah. And no, nobody cared back then. It's true. And if you look at all the home improvement shows in the late 90s, just as the big DIY and all the... Um, TLC and the home improvement channels. I think the literally that entire industry and that entire facet of entertainment was born from how many houses had yeah. covered up beautiful hardwood floors with shitty, awful shag carpeting in yeah. the 70s and 80s. And the 90s yeah. was literally this uncovering this what the fuck were people thinking? Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, this this we're in we're in my grand room right now. This hardwood floor. Excuse my, me? We're in my grand room. I'm letting the, my fours of listeners know that we're in my grand room right now. You, you, oh, wait, you're calling your living room the grand room. My living That's what slash you call dining it? slash foyer the slash grand room. kitchen. Okay. I have to catch up. Room. I have to catch up. I've Some call it a great before. room. I like grand room. Grand room. Um, in the grand room, when I had this, uh, this is laminate hardwood floor. Uh, when I had it put down. I, I knew that. When I came in, they were in the middle of installing the floor. I looked. I have the most gorgeous terrazzo underneath this that I did not know was there. And I'm like, shit, if I had known I had... I have terrazzo in other rooms. It's different color and it's ugly. This was gorgeous and would have fit with this decor as well. Mm. And I was like, well, shit, too late. We're already too far in with the laminate floor. But again, it was a gorgeous terrazzo floor, period, from 1955, I think is when the house was built. Mm-hmm. And they'd covered it with green shag fucking carpeting. So back to uh, the facts of life. We come back from commercial and Alex is working on the table in the parlor. And he Which is... one is Alex? Oh, the gay son. Okay. <laughs> No, because isn't there a girl on the show named Alex? No, Alex P. Keaton. Okay, go ahead. I'm in the 80s. So Natalie, oh, we have a thing here. We have a we have an inconsistency. 
in a character again. What? You know, this shit drives me crazy. In Natalie comes in while Alex is fixing the table in the parlor and they are in casual conversation. And some of her Spanish words are, of course, about bullfighting. Racist. And he mentions something about the you're not comfortable with the bull stuff. And she says, well, I'm a Taurus. It's tough for me. Nope. Natalie no. is not a Taurus. <laughs> a Taurus is a person <laughs> born between April 20th and May 20th. You know what date this character was born? In season one, episode 10, <laughs> entitled Adoption. Blair on the phone to help discover <laughs> Natalie's birth mother and uncover her adoption records, says to the judge who is assisting her with this endeavor that Natalie's birth date is September something, 1965. So the thing is, I've messed up this date before, but I know she says September. So Natalie was born in September. Natalie is a Virgo, I'm pretty sure, according to season one. But now season two's got a retcon all this shit. Uh, just saying it. So then strangely, Mark is silently, silently. I'm feeling. letting you have your... <laughs> Are we He's... to the point where um, Edna is uh, both pouring a glass of orange juice and serving sliced grapefruit? Are we there yet? No. When oh. did we get there? Oh, my God. With okay, that, I have it on my... Uh... Okay. Well, when you... One paper. One piece of paper. And I have 40 sheets. 40 sheets. In my book. Um, I feel like a loser. <laughs> so then Natalie says to him something to the effect of, you know, you, you, do you know the battle hymn of the Republic? And he says, yeah. And she says, you know what? They didn't do it right. And he's like, what do you mean? She says, should have been a love song. And it's like, really? You're sure it's not just because it's a melody that's in the public domain and therefore we can sing on a sitcom oh, and not have to pay anybody royalties? The shade. The Carly shade. Simon's teeth. <laughs> so um, she sings him some lyrics that she wrote as part of a love song for the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Yeah. And she can hold a tune. She, she carries can. a tune. Well, because if you ask Mindy Cohen to do anything, she's going to she do it. Is because she is fearless. She's like all of us when we first started performing. We didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. So we're brave. Yeah. That's where Mindy Cohen is. The rest of those hags on that stage already had experience. They already knew. Guess what? <laughs> Be afraid. Don't experiment. Let Mindy Cohen do it. Yeah. And she succeeds. So she sings this thing where the syllable, I don't even want to repeat the lyrics. I don't remember them. The syllables, the, he says the accent is on the wrong syllable. That's an old joke about she messed up the syllable. So then she adjusts the lyric. And as he leaves her in the cafeteria with her books that she's supposed to be studying, she starts singing a lyric of a love song of a, like a broken heart thing to the tune mm -hmm. of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Mm -hmm. And by the time she gets to, my love is marching on, the audience erupts like she had just split an atom or yeah. brought peace to the Middle East. She sang a song in the first scene and they gave her an applause. I don't know what it was. Oh, it was... Um, she uh, sang like a little bit of... On the road again, when she's singing about Alex. Yes. And that's all she said. She went, Applause. she went, oh, that's right. I thought you would be on the road again. <laughs> it was like, wow. The bar has been set very low for what impresses a Facts of Life audience. Anyhow, Natalie... I think the audience for Facts of Life is a low bar. <laughs> I, would, I would agree. Um, so then the next morning... And I put myself in that group. <laughs> The next morning, we're in briefly in the kitchen as the girls are coming down saying, where is Natalie? We don't know where she is. Mrs. Garrett is wearing the same blue dress that she wore last week when she met Zsa Zsa Gabor. And it is gorgeous. <laughs> Did you not know she met Zsa Zsa Gabor last week? Yeah, that happened. Oh, God. Yeah, that happened. And she was, and little did you notice, she was pouring orange juice as the drink for breakfast, and also serving sliced grapefruit. What? Literally two, serving so much acid to these poor girls. Two, no wonder they're all overweight. Two forms of citrus? That is scandalous. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I'll tell yeah. you, most weeks, Mark, I do look and question if there is ever food in the kitchen. Because half, I should say 95% of the time, they're cleaning dishes, they're doing stuff. 
There's not food involved. They very rarely are cooking. The only time food was involved besides the citrus incident was when she they literally said something about Coca-Cola. And they were like, it was like an ad for Coke. It yeah. was product placement before it existed. It said Coca-Cola, the same great taste in any language. I thought, excuse me? Yeah. Excuse, Did they pay for that? Did, am I watching an advertisement? <laughs> you better roll back. <laughs> The song Rum and Coca-Cola from the 40s was recorded in one take. Take that Thank to the you. bank. Take that to the Thank bank. You. Carly Thank Simon's you. teeth. Wow. Normally, I don't like um, silly little minutia Carly stuff Simon. to be on my to be on my podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't typically oh. like little excessively detailed, obscure things. But I guess I'll have True. to allow you that, Mark, because you're my fucking guest. Um, so the next morning. And what a grand room it is. <laughs> it's just grand, pokey, grand. So it turns out Natalie has fallen asleep in the cafeteria, and she's got uh, her books with her. And it's like, oh, Natalie, you shouldn't stay up all night because of this Spanish test. Mm-hmm. And Natalie says, nope, not going to take the Spanish test. I was working on lyrics and I'm going to be a lyricist, and Alex makes me think that I can do it. Yeah, and she goes, me and Alex were working all night. We all saw her and Alex work for 35 seconds. True. Literally, Alex said, I don't have time for this. I'm going to bed Good night." And she said, okay, give my regards to Broadway, or whatever she's saying. And she, te- she lies. <laughs> the reason that Alex loses his meal train ticket, meal ticket train? Meal ticket. Meal ticket, is because, is because old uh, Mindy Cohen is like, oh, we spent four hours together. Me, an underage woman, and, and your, your Hagatha horrible 28-year-old <laughs> son, we're, we're writing lyrics. You're a liar. Wow. You know, I think her mother should be told about that and not about whatever, you know, failing Spanish, <laughs> which she's never going to use. <laughs> you speak Spanish. Oh, wow. Okay. So Mrs. Garrett is very, very angry. With this, oh, I mean, she is uh, Neil Simon. Who who wrote uh, "Streetcar Named Desire"? <laughs> it was not Neil Simon. Yeah, who Though was? I wish he had. That would have been the a guy much... who she was giving you Tennessee Williams. Tennessee Williams anger. <laughs> Neil Simon in that scene and in the final scene. I mean, I thought a I was watching "Streetcar Named Desire." Relocated to Brooklyn in a Jewish community. Yeah, <laughs> I've always relied on the kindness of strangers. So, Mrs. Garrett. What a grand room. (laughs) Mrs. Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett has it out with Alex and basically says, you've got to stop dreaming. You've got to face reality. And you know what? It's my fault. I've been supporting you. I've always told you to follow your dreams, but I never apparently gave you the tools to have a realistic understanding of having a career or a life or whatever. So yeah, she says there's a difference between a dream and a fantasy. A fantasy. And I was like, oh, you cut right to the core. Yes. You got right to me. She this is did. the reason I was invited today was to watch that episode. She oh. says, I can't support you anymore. That yeah. check I wrote you is the last one. And he actually responds with, thank God. Now I can stop lying to you. And he comes clean and says, I've not played on any of those, but you always were so happy for me in this dream and my success, I didn't want to disappoint you. And that's when she's like, "You, t- whatever you do, if you're happy, I'm happy. Christ. Yeah. I, I'm paraphrasing. I disagree with her reaction. She should have looked at him in his gay eyes <laughs> and said, you have been lying from me to me what? not only have you been taking money from my pocket which i've been willingly willingly giving which i also know i shouldn't be giving but you've lied to me mm. that is when she should have gone tennessee williams and kicked him out of the boudoir the respite the the, the <laughs> bidet the haberdashery <laughs> what is it called what do you call it no the room that you parlor the parlor <laughs> The parlor. She should have kicked him out of the parlor. She should have accused him of, of raping the Jewish girl in the middle of the night because they were writing lyrics. She should have put him in jail, gotten rid of this person. What a toxic human being. Taking money is one thing, but lying repeatedly. I'm kicking you out of the bidet. I'm sorry. That is so fucking... You, you kill me. Oh, Mark. Oh, this hurts. <laughs> But back to what happens. Um, yes. 
the of uh, she so he says I won't I won't do that and then she says with her thing about the dreams and fantasy she says the difference is uh, a dream is something you work hard and you pursue a fantasy is something you sit back and put your feet up and expect something to just happen oh. and she puts her feet up on the coffee table and she says oh someone fixed the coffee table oh but but and you see the bottom of her shoes scuffed those shoes were not purchased for that episode no they had been worn before <laughs> They, we went for hyper-realism here. Is anyone producing this show watching this show? When she puts her feet up, yeah, not we literally see. If, you, if you've ever been in the theater and you take you, – on the top, they take the spray paint, they paint, they glue, yeah. they glitter the girl's shoes, and you flip them over, it looks like a dog's anus. <laughs> and that's what we saw on episode whatever of whatever season of this show. 15. Unbelievable. Go ahead. Yeah, it was. It was interesting for how how they made such a big deal. It wasn't just that she sits down and puts her feet up. She makes uh, she makes like you hear an event of it. Like that's when you put your feet up and yeah. Anyhow, but then uh, he says, "Yeah, I fixed the table. It just took this, that, and the other thing." And he's like. Uh, so when he says, I don't know any of those celebrities, she says, oh, you don't know, you, you don't even know Carly Simon. He says, actually, I do know Carly Simon. Yeah. I built some shelves for her and he shows her some pictures. And it turns out he's also been doing some carpentry work. Do you know how he was cutting the wood through for those a cabinet shelves? shop? How was he cutting the wood? With her teeth, with Carly <laughs> Simon's teeth. <laughs> took, her by the, took her by the neck and banged <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Baratelli working his magic. (laughs) Bang that head against Uh, that wood uh, until he had 44 (laughs) shelves. Oh, dear. So basically, it kind of comes down to him saying, so are are you okay that I like doing this and I'm good at this and this is what I've been doing to earn a living when I'm not able to pursue this? And she's like, it's fine. And then she says, I actually wrote... That at the top of the, I went back. I took the note in that scene and went to the top of my notes on my one. It says, such a good message. Dreams, say it with me. Dreams Dreams change. change. That's what she said. And that's true. And something about not being a quitter. And then she says about herself, she says, look at me. I was a housekeeper who wanted to see the world. And then I became a dietitian. And it's like. (laughs) So did did you see the world somewhere between season the, the well, end of different strokes? Well, wasn't she the housekeeper for different strokes? Right. Yeah, did, that was did, a rich guy. Did something happen between different strokes in uh, this show where she saw the world? She didn't travel the world. She said she wanted to see the world. She didn't say she traveled. Did she oh, say she traveled? I guess it? maybe she did say wanted to see the world. She says, "And I'm a dietitian," and a beautifully prophetic thing. And she says, uh, five years from now." Who knows? And it's like, oh my God, five years from now, you're going to own your own bakery. And then it's going to burn down and you're going to own your own Spencer's gifts. And then you're going to marry your high school sweetheart, go into the Peace Corps. What? And then, yes. Spoiler alert. That's what's coming down the pike. I thought when you, because you, you exclaimed this when she said in five years, I thought. How how did she say that again? Five years. She, I thought you were thinking, oh, that, I I thought, oh, that must be when she quits the show. That's what I thought. But you're saying that's when she left Um, the convent and opened her gift shop. I I guess she kind of does. Edna's Edibles. Edna's Edibles. Well, yeah, in five years. Okay, we're just at the end of season two. Five years is the end of season seven. Tootie is 11, according to the writers. (laughs) She's gone. By the end of season seven, she is. I think that is the last because she starts to wheedle herself out. In seasons eight and nine, yeah, she's barely in the beginning of season eight. So okay, this so is very, was, this is almost right. Five years is right to the time where she's like, "I'm out of here." Yeah, and that's the and the out of here is marrying Robert Mandon, her high school sweetheart, best known as Chester Tate on the TV show Soap. And then she goes off with him to the Peace Corps. So that's like she does have an amazing adventure awaiting her in five years. And who would have thunk? I don't. I don't think the writers were thinking that far ahead. The big picture is: is she? This is such a good lesson. It's such a good lesson because as I was watching this last scene, I thought this is real boring. 
This oh, is shit. real boring. I said, this is not a comedy. This is supposed to be a comedy, but it's one of those in the 80s, those scenes. Dramedy. And those those yeah. um, The More You Know episodes. But this was a really important one, especially for kids to watch. The, we, we're, kids are taught um, that you have a dream and you go for it and you never give up. But dreams, cha- they, they absolutely change. Mm-hmm. And you can have, you can do such good things if you turn left uh, and go, okay, well, that's not going to work out. I'll do this. Because yeah. you don't lose your drive, your energy, your spirit, or your creativity. So as long as you have that with you, whatever you are trying, whatever industry you go into, you're going to be just as good as in that industry as you were at the original industry. Yeah. Such a good lesson. And something I learned in my 30 years of being on this earth. And <laughs> what? Well, thank you. What? Um, for for that. What? Um, Excuse me? Nothing. Nothing. I was. We got to wrap up. Yeah. Uh, wrap apparently up. so. Um, so I I will echo what you said, and that that is an interesting lesson that we're not really taught as kids, as opposed to having, saying having the dream and go for it. The idea that you also need to be open to going with the flow. Forgive me for getting a little spiritual here, but I'll just say the universe sometimes carries us to certain places that we never expected to be but if you're open to it and i mean you're a great example you were a great example you were a musical theater improviser person and at this point you run a business where you put together events and uh flea markets and now farmers markets and food truck events food truck events that is eight years who the hell would have a decade ago when you and i were first we were meeting fringe actors i never would have suspected who who of any of us would have ever thought that was something coming down the pike for you? Mm-hmm. That's like I mean, and perfect. This that's why that's why I chose this episode for for you. <gasps> oh, that's why I sp- sp- specifically wow. planned it that way. So we have to end this though. Yes. Um, and the final joke, the final little punch we have to have is he says, "So, mom, you're not upset," and she says, "No." Oh. When you do really build me Edna Land, you can build it with your own two hands. And they embrace. That She said that? Yes. I think by that time I turned off. I just tuned out. Yeah. Were you pouring another glass of wine? or I, I think it was my second one. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, Anyhow, that, that is how the episode ends. And we get the clap track, the canned clap track that I have referred to many times. And they hug and embrace and then hold hands. And that's the end of the show. All is, all is good and right in the world of the Garrett family. I think that it was a short episode because when the scene ended, I really thought, I thought there would be more. I thought there would be another scene. Was that like a 22-minute yeah, show? Yeah, it, it was like 25 yeah, they, I know they needed one more scene. I'm with the girl. I thought, I thought, oh my gosh, when the girls read this script, they were like, oh great, I don't have to do. I have like eighteen <laughs> lines. I'll be lines, yeah. smoking over here, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure there was anything, any sort of epilogue necessary with the no. girls to make right with the lies he told them or whatever. But um, I yeah, I like this episode and it. It came together. Thank goodness we had this little extra thing of him being a woodworker because there are real life situations where it's just it's just the music side of this character hmm. where all he does is float around, live off his mother, not work, and not have any type of skill or anything he excels at. So, Mark Baratelli, thank you for coming back. I'm glad I was able to gift you an episode from... The good seasons that as as I made good on my promise mm. to bring you back after making you suffer through that dieting episode. Molly good Ringwald, Lord. get out of here. Lord of Goshen, it was terrible. So thank you uh, for coming. Thank you for being on the show. And I look forward to having you back yet again. Absolutely. Let's do it. And there you have it. That was Mark Baratelli back for more. You can find out about his food truck events, his flea market events, the upcoming indoor farmer's market that he mentioned. All of that stuff is at his website, which is thedailycity.com. He also does a weekly podcast under that brand, so you can look for that. It's a really cool news brief format. It's a very short podcast, so it's good for some quick, interesting information for locals in the Central Florida area. I, I highly recommend it. So one point that I didn't make in the show, and I didn't think of it till afterwards when I was editing, 
where I think we said something to the effect of we were comfortable with the ending of the show being the reconciliation of Mrs. Garrett and Alex, and we didn't need any sort of an epilogue. I take that back. The show did need an epilogue. We needed to go back to Natalie and tell her, have Alex tell her specifically that he had led her wrong and that she needs to continue her education while at the same time nurturing her artistic skills, her songwriting skills. She can always be doing both simultaneously. And then we needed to know, did she pass her Spanish test? That stupid fucking Spanish test was the constant through line through this episode. We really did need to find out that what most likely did happen is she passed it and all is okay. So that was just a little bit of an afterthought that I had. So next week, I'm going to be watching season two, episode 16. You know what that is? That's the season finale. We are arriving at the end of season two. Can you believe it? It's a short season, only being 16 episodes, but uh, we're going to be watching the backdoor pilot called Brian and Sylvia. I will be joined by another special guest. So let's go through the spiel like I do every week. Check out the website, facethefactspod.com. That's where you can find extra pictures, videos, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor, links to our social media, links to your favorite podcatchers so that you can subscribe, rate, and review the show. That's pretty much it for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you.